Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. What I love about Shopify is basically how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. I know we use Shopify here at Betches. And honestly, anyone with any kind of business could really benefit from Shopify. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash betches, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash betches now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash betches. Search goes on in San Francisco for the man known as the Zodiac Killer. In New York, the search continues for the 44 caliber killer. See if you can explain to me why I would want to be a Scientologist. Betches Media presents... Tell me we have a lead. Stone Cold, no. It was literally like the Hunger Games. Not another true crime podcast. What can I say? Tough titties. It's all fun and games until someone gets hurt. Welcome and happy holidays, not another true crime podcast listeners. I'm Sarah Levine. And I'm Danny Murphy, and we're your partners in Crime, Wine, and Time, and we got some doozies today. We have a number of doozies and... <laughs> too many doozies to count, I would Way say, too actually. many. There's there's way too many updates happening in the news, just like crazy stuff. Um, but first, Danny, are you doing anything for the holidays? Um setting <laughs> <laughs> you looked like very attacked by that question i was like oh just trying to make I, conversation. that's like asking i feel like that's the new like how are you like like yeah you're the, like the well March that's a loaded June. question like, what am i doing i'm like i'm doing nothing i'm like what have i been doing for this past year yeah i'm doing nothing besides <laughs> i'm gonna make a peppermint uh martini Ooh, what are you gonna put in it that's a schnapps? great question well i'm gonna do well i was thinking schnapps but i'm thinking hear me out peeps <laughs> vanilla vodka mm-hmm with like a little Bailey's in it, crushed into pepper, it, crushed candy cane on top, and it's going to be rimmed with like chocolate. That sounds delicious and very like high, not high tech, but like very mixologist. Oh, I mean, mixologist in a Jersey sense, like it's going, cool. it's going to chip a tooth and black you out. But I feel like that's what and we black need you out and you're going to have the worst sugar hangover the next day. But you know what? It's going to taste good. It's going to taste good. Are you do, do you have any plans? What's happening with you? Do I have any plans? No, I mean, I'm going to my parents for Hanukkah. Oh, yeah. Happy Hanukkah. Thank you. I, I lit the candles last night for the first time ever because um, like I'm always too afraid to burn down my apartment. <laughs> And now you're like, well, this time I did it. Actually, the candles burn because you're not supposed to blow them out, but they burned out in like an hour, oh. which was very surprising. I feel like usually they kind of burn all night, That's which I would not let happen. 
I mean, they're tired too this year. Right. The that also like, is kind of right. foreshadowing to our case today, but we have a lot to get into before the case. Today, that is so, true. That yeah. is true. Also the opposite of the miracle of Hanukkah, because that shit lasted one hour <laughs> when it was supposed to last eight hours. <laughs> Whatever. Hanukkah right now is like, fix yourself, guys. I don't have the time for this. Yeah. Hanukkah's like, I did it once. Okay. You can't expect another miracle. Yeah, no. Just one. Okay, so headline hunters, we have a number of updates. First is there is a small development in the Alonzo Brooks case, which, if you guys recall, was one of the um, deaths covered on, yes, the Unsolved Mysteries reboot, and we did an episode on it. So this is actually pretty, pretty spicy. Um, The FBI, basically, as... After like the Unsolved Mysteries episode came out, the FBI decided to get involved and it brought newfound interest in the case. So the FBI learned that there was actually another party in Lacine the same night as the one that Alonzo was at the night he died. And apparently the people who went to that party left to go to the farmhouse when a fight broke out. Oh, okay. So now people are asking, basically, like, if you were at that other party, come forward, spill the tea. What's the deal? That is. Wow. Okay. well, that's the power, I guess, of because I remember this was one of the cases, too, that everyone was like, come on. I think we can solve this one. This does not have to be unsolved. That was like barely unsolved mystery. (laughs) Like, It's more so like connect the dot and call out your your town, guys. But yes, honestly, snitch. It was like like snitch on your racist townspeople. Literally, I feel like that's hard. I feel like it's always so crazy in like crime shows and also in documentaries stuff like that. When someone's like, "Oh, remember this party from like twenty years ago?" and I'm like, "Who?" Yeah, I'm like, I literally don't know what I did last week. And my therapist is like, "How was your week?" And I'm like, "How was my week?" And then I have like a Raven Baxter like flashback, <laughs> a Raven repression moment when you're like, "Yeah, no, like I don't want to flashback." Oh snap! What did I do? <laughs> Just a lot of undoing walks. Okay, but I'm hope. Okay, here's hoping that yes, something like someone something comes out of that. Yes, hopefully. And then another update. So we've had some updates in in Fort Hood. Um, as we know, after Vanessa Guillen was found murdered, it triggered people to demand um, basically like a third party where people could go to report sexual assault and harassment in the military. And how has that not been a thing so far? Yeah. Right. I'm like, how has that not been a thing the whole time? But in any case, so also after her death, a number of other people also disappeared at Fort hood. We talked about it with Nancy grace. Yes. Our Nancy girl. Let us know what was going on there. Yes. So, um, essentially, there was a report done by this independent review committee of Fort Hood. That report has recently been released and it is 152 pages. So I'm just going to tell you guys what the summary says, <laughs> because as much as I love to review a primary source, um, I didn't have time to read a whole novel before today's hundred. And also, I'm like, I have to be honest, there's got to be some pages that are not needed. Yeah, I mean, it, it's like a. It's a research. It's like a research study where they give you like the abstract up front. And I'm like, perfect. Perfect. Like, they were just flexing me. on their printer. They were like, yeah, no, we got a lot of ink in this printer. <laughs> well, it's kind of um alarming that there's 152 pages worth of fuck ups basically to document in so this true. report. So, OK, the 
so what happened was the U.S. Secretary of the Army appointed the Fort Hood Independent Review Committee and then told them to conduct a comprehensive assessment of the Fort Hood command climate and culture and its impacts, if any, on the safety, welfare and readiness of our soldiers and units. Um, and this report essentially determined that the command climate with respect to reporting sexual assault was, quote, ineffective and that it created a, quote, permissive environment for sexual assault and harassment, to which I say, duh. Yeah, no shit. Right. Like we've we've been watching this culture play out in in real time. And like we know this already. Countless times. <laughs> So the background for this was that um, they had implemented a program called the Sexual Harassment Slash Assault Response Program, and this report found that program to be ineffective. The report noted that during the period where they were like reviewing everything that went down, um, no commanding general or subordinate echelon commander intervened proactively or mitigated risk of sexual harassment and assault. So basically, like the hires up weren't doing shit. Perfect. Yeah. And also, in addition to being under enforced, this program was underfunded. So that's not good. The committee also determined that there was or quote, there was a conspicuous absence of effective risk management to crime incident reduction and soldier victimization, which like relates to how um, how it was being reported that like multiple soldiers were going missing. It's kind of like what's happening there so at a rapid rate at like a rate that i was like even like every every week i feel like there was a new article yeah about it i was gonna say it felt like one a month or something but yeah. but regardless it was like way too many and this and that statement has to do with that fact um and they kind of explain and this helped me contextualize like why this was such a big deal other than the fact that people are going missing which is a huge deal um and it explains that basically a military base is like essentially a large gated community and it's the director of or it's the job of the director of emergency services and the criminal investigation division's jobs to like mitigate and reduce crime. And um, basically, they were not doing that or they weren't doing it effectively enough, as we kind of saw what happened. on. Yes. And then it also talks about the missing soldiers and how there was no accountability for non-commissioned officers who couldn't keep track of their subordinates. And even more um, alarming to me is that there was no protocol for soldiers who failed to report, which how it's the army. Don't yeah, you have a protocol you for everything? Don't they have to always be on call? Yeah. I thought they were kind of, that was kind of thing. Like they know sort of like Santa runs it. He sees you when you sleep and he knows when you're awake type of situation. Yeah. I don't know. I guess it's like, you have to be somewhere, but then if, if you're not somewhere, like there was no protocol of like, okay, first you check this and then you do this and then, and then this. And like, it was especially like they kept pointing out in the report, like it's especially to have these protocols in place within the first 24 hours after someone goes missing. Cause that's mm -hmm. the most crucial time. So I mean, basically, this report was like, this place is a complete shit show and all the leadership failed. Um, <laughs> and, and scene. And scene. And then as a result, there were 14 firings or suspensions of commanders and lower level leaders. Okay. So it looks like they semi like cleaned house a bit. We'll see. I, I hope that like changes something, though. You know what I mean? I am... It, it it's like 
hopeful to me, I guess, that they didn't just try to sweep it under the rug and be like, well, nope, everything's fine. Our investigation found nothing happened. However, that's an extremely low bar. So like, I don't know. I don't know if my my bar is too low. Right. I mean, that's the thing. like, I mean, if 2020 taught us anything, the bar is on the floor. So let's just uh, we're <laughs> that just, is true. We're just trying to climb our way up from that. <laughs> that That's very true. It's, it's the 2020 bar. In the market for investment worthy bags, watches and fine jewelry. Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Here's some 2020-ness that a lot of people were DMing about. So, of course, we need to talk about it. And also, because I was, like, flipping out reading about it. Um, Yes. Yes. So, Amanda Knox, we, of course, know her knock, knock, knocking. Uh, she is speaking <laughs> out after uh, Meredith's convicted murderer, Rudy. I don't Rudy Judy? <laughs> I thought it was, like, Gwed, something like that. Oh, wait, Rudy Gouday, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because... I was like, duh, we're not, we're not, he's not from Jersey. He's, yeah, he's freed from prison. So he's freed from prison. And she talked about this on her podcast, Labyrinth, but she also published the essay. She, she published an essay on Medium and then she read it on a bonus episode of Labyrinth. I know it was. I feel like Medium essays are just whatever. It, it's like thought catalog for adults. It's, th- yeah, it's thought catalog when you don't feel like emailing to someone to put the article up. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you're just like, I'll do it myself. Yeah, that's like, I, I like know how back end works. One. I'm like, put it on your website, baby. What are we doing here? Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Unless yeah. Medium paid her for it, which I doubt because it's Medium. I don't think, yeah, I, that's a good question. I wonder though. I feel like no. <laughs> um, I know. I feel like no also. But uh, Rudy Goudet was the man who was convicted of the 2007 killing of her study abroad roommate, Meredith, in Italy was released from prison and this was because uh evidence of his guilt is well, she, this is what she said evidence of his guilt is overwhelming as is the lack of evidence implicating any other suspect and she feels that he still has not faced appropriate consequences for this horrific crime she's feeling that or what were we going to say oh i mean how long was he um in prison for well that's the thing he was in pr- well he was sentenced to 16 years which she already feels like that really wasn't a lot of time. And I kind of mm. like, that's not. Okay. Almost, yeah. And, but he was released only after 10. So literally he was let out a day after his 10th year. Wow. Uh, yeah. So he's serving the rest of his like time served outside of a uh, prison. Hmm. And another part that she brought up, which is, I guess like is kind of valid, but then I also, it's like not really his fault. It's more so like the, <laughs> the media's telling of, the story is she's like i'm the only name associated with this crime he's not at all i get all the blame all the theories everything thrown at me yeah i wouldn't like that either i know which i mean like girl's not lying especially because she was eventually acquitted like that's the thing that sucks and i feel like a lot i know people people do still suspect her of doing it but like in a court of law she is considered not guilty I know, but I think I feel like that's the part everyone always let like leaves out and like doesn't totally remember. And like, of course, yeah. she just gets like seen as guilty all the time. That's true. Yeah. 
and then uh, she also was saying that her overall quote and feeling from the Medium article was that she said, I'm not upset that Rudy Goody is free. I- <laughs> <laughs> he can't. It's like a tongue twist name. I'm like, I love so- that that's his name. I know. She said, I, I'm not I am not upset that Rudy Goody is free. I'm not upset that journalists who continue to vilify me to this day, sorry, are instead humanizing him, quoting we his lawyers. We, we actually don't. Um, what's the word? Villainize her? Yeah. I'm like, Amanda. Uh, we actually haven't talked about that case yet. We haven't. Uh, no shade, Amanda. I haven't thought about you that much lately. And Amanda, if you want to come on this show, we'll have you. Yeah, I take back that shady thing I just said. But I think you'd like that. I think you'd like people not to think about you as much. Yeah. Um, and then she said, quoting his lawyers who claim he is calm and socially well integrated. She's not upset about giving him a second chance. The main thing she's upset about is that he's never acknowledged his crimes, that he's never been held fully accountable, and that I continue to bear the burden of his infamy. I mean, yeah, like, I feel that. Oh, no, like, I was like, I would be pissed too. I'd be writing medium articles if I was her. I, I would be, I'd be like, hello, the cut. Can I please have $5,000? Uh, I would, t- and that's my thing. I'd like, I take 2,500. I'm like, I, I would sell myself too short to be Amanda Knox. That's true. <laughs> oh, that is true. So lot, lots of true crime updates. Um, and thank you guys all for everyone who's, I've had a lot of people message us about Monet lately Ooh. because I think of the, um, the influencer who was selling it, who was murdered. Yeah. Um, because I've been seeing a lot of headlines point out that she was involved in a pyramid scheme like in the headline which is fucked up i think well and also because it's one of those things where i'm like do we make fun of monate of course do i think that that is remotely involved with what happened to her no no not at all i don't think so and it's interesting because um shanann watts was in a pyramid scheme and that's never brought up and it's also um they really obscured it from the documentary like they i think they made an effort to that's true because they wanted to yeah i don't know why and so it's interesting and also unfortunate and in my opinion unfair that this woman in her death is getting like directly tied to this mlm company yeah exactly it's like because it's like you can even because like i was like clicking on those articles because like oh maybe it's something like a headline to talk about but I was like oh it's nothing besides the fact that she was in Monate I'm like yes and the headlines are like murdered pyramid scheme woman and I'm like okay like what that's fucked up and also it's like and the way they frame it it seems like she was like one of the few people and it's like a lot of people are in this like calm so many people calm it down like at least three people on my Facebook feed at the moment oh uh, the D like I'm lucky that the reels I made no one has been like that mean to me about it but time, <laughs> have time they been happen. mildly mean well, some people were just like, as someone who used to sell this, this is true. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, the first step is self-awareness, baby. That's amazing. I'm surprised you haven't been getting people like, well, enjoy slaving away at your nine to five while I make my own schedule. Hashtag boss, babe. Right. And I'm like, babe, I take two hour lunch breaks where I drink wine. Joke's on you. Right. And I know exactly how much money is coming into my paycheck every time it arrives. That's true. And I don't have to like DM people for work. Actually, I do DM people for work, but that's not. That's <laughs> just, that's just me being like, I do too, but I don't have to sell them anything. I'm like, yeah, hey, can I'm, I give you free promo? And they're like, yeah. Yeah. Or I'm like, hey, do you want to come on this podcast? Scene. Got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> left on red at 3.23 p.m. Oh, left on Reddit. Oh, that should be a fun thing. I don't know what it's for. I, okay, that's weird that you say that. I really like that. We're going to incorporate it somehow. 
um, because I was sort of thinking today about like trying to discuss Reddit theories or conspiracies. And well, so there's the segment for it. That's we have the name. We don't have the structure. Mm-mm. Working backwards on this. If I truly had a nickel for every time that <laughs> was my life, I'm like, I thought of the name. I don't know how to do it, but there's a name. That is literally true. Ugh. Well, I don't know, guys. Keep DMing us your theories keep and, and your Reddit conspiracies. NATC pod. If you have not already, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you're listening to us. We really appreciate it. And we also appreciate the kind words. Um, someone DM'd us and they were like, they told me that they started doing that like weird scream that I do because they thought it was funny where I'm just like, ah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I screenshotted it and I will be printing it out and putting that message on my wall. So thank Oh my you. God. Yes. The Sarah scream is now infamous. <laughs> I didn't even notice that I do that. So it's funny. <laughs> I love it. I love that so much. Going to be some screams to come because we're talking about a very interesting, it's kind of mysterious and it's Christmassy because this event happened on Christmas. Christmas. I don't think anyone's DM'd us about this, but I don't care because I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> we're going to well, talk. A, yeah. Go oh, I was going to say it's crazy because it's like so much like it's one of those ones that's kind of interesting to talk about because it's only theories. <laughs> yeah. I like it. Okay, so we're going to talk about the Sodder family fire. Interesting stuff. All right, quick background. George Sodder, born Georgiou Sadu in Sardinia in 1895, came to the U.S. in 1908 when he was 13. His older brother also came with him, but then immediately went back to Italy upon arriving at Ellis Island, which honestly relatable. <laughs> fully fact it's like yeah. when when you're on a trip and the plane lands and you're like and everybody claps and you have to turn around and go home and right and it's one of those things too i'm like yeah if like stay in if you're listening from italy stay in italy you're not missing anything here right although knowing ellis island he was probably like sick or something and they turned him around that's actually very true that's probably the <laughs> more, he wasn't he wasn't just craving like cacio e pepe he was like yeah they were like, right he wasn't like oh i hate it here yeah. <laughs> He's like, do you have Montepulciano? They're like, what's that? You're like, goodbye. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm out. <laughs> so George worked on the Pennsylvania railroads and he would carry water and supplies to the laborers. And the craziest thing about this is like, I don't know at what age he was doing this. So like, I'm literally imagining him 13 years old working on the railroads. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, well, because yeah, because he was 1895 to... 1908 where i think he was like definitely a teenager and i was like how or like ba- like a baby he was baby probably teenager. a teenager like he came to the u.s when he was 13 he, he yeah. was by himself had to subsist yeah him and taylor swift at 13 they gotta make some money <laughs> <laughs> i'm imagining like ron swanson when he talks about like working in a factory when he was 14 <laughs> um okay so george moved to smithers west virginia after a few years And then he got a job as a trucker and then started his own trucking company. And he was basically just moving dirt for construction. And then he started also moving freight and coal. Then he met Jenny Cipriani, Cipriani in Italian. It's Cipriani. Yeah. Jay-Z Cipriani's basement. Oh, they do pronounce it Cipriani. Okay. Good to know. So it is Cipriani. 
So he met her when he walked into a store called The Music Box and met the owner's daughter. That's sort of so romantic also. So cute. It's amore. (laughs) And also because they were also Italian immigrants. So (laughs) that's amore. We love it. Um, Jenny and George got married and they moved to Fayetteville, West Virginia. They had 10, count them, 10 children between 1923 to 1943, which like... Jesus, even typing that sentence in our outline exhausted me. I, I I don't even know how that is emotionally or biologically possible. She basically had to have had one kid every other, like every other year. Yeah. Damn. So, my God. So the kids' names. <laughs> the kids' names. We got Maurice, Martha, Lewis, Jenny, Betty, Sylvia, Marion, John and George Jr. You don't have to remember these names. They're not really going to come up again. And also you're not getting quizzed. (laughs) Yeah, you're not getting quizzed. Um, But they were a well-respected middle-class family. There also was like a small Italian community where they moved in Fayetteville. Yeah. And, um, but of course we're not talking about them just because they were very interested in like- Just because they're the Brady Bunch. Yeah, we're just like, we just want to unpack this Italian family. Like, what do they eat all day? Like, I guess pasta is a good dish to have a lot of people if they're still making pasta. True. Just penny for days. Uh, But unfortunately, (laughs) it's this not about their love story. It's about uh, their home that uh, went in flames. So we're unpacking a little bit the days before the fire right now. Yes, because weird uh, shit was happening. Things were going up and down. Yeah, it was crazy. Uh, so first, a stranger, days before the fire first, a stranger appeared at the home in the fall asking about hauling work, which kind of kind of weird, but also just maybe I feel like back in the day, people would just kind of go door to door asking for. Yeah, and because that's what they did. Yeah. So they, 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 they would haul stuff like that was what George's business was. So I guess it's not so weird. Yeah. And also on Desperate Housewives, they would go to Mike Delfino's to ask him for like plumbing help, but also they wanted to fuck him. So like there's that. We'll never know if that was an ulterior motive. <laughs> so uh, the stranger went to the back of the house, pointed out two fuse boxes and said, this is going to cause a fire one day. Which was also weird because I think like in the article I read from, I think Smithsonian, Smithsonian had yeah. said they had like recently gotten it inspected and it was yeah. fine. So that's a kind of like suspicious and also an ominous thing for strangers to walk into a backyard and say like, hey, this is going to go in flames soon, by the way. Okay. Yeah. Um, weird. And then around the same time, someone else tried to sell them life insurance. Dun, dun, dun. George refused, which is kind of still weird. I mean, I guess also life insurance is something people would go around to sell, but weird, ominous before. Yeah. Uh, but George refused and the guy was mad and said, your goddamn house is going up in smoke and your children are going to be destroyed. <gasps> you are going to be paid for the dirty remarks you have been making about Mussolini. And uh, this was a true, Suspicious. yeah, this was a true um, threat, I guess, or the threat was based in truth because George was outspoken in the Italian community about how he disliked Mussolini. So. Which like, okay, I will say, is it is it that hot of a take to dislike a dictator? Like, <sighs> For real? I wonder if it was I'm sure it was a hot take in Italy, (laughs) but like what I'm assuming, and just because like from what I've like my like trying to like get the booze soaked history knowledge out of my head, where like they probably were like living in a pocket of Italians where maybe that was like a hot take of people like love like respecting Italy, like working in America to like 
maybe help people in Italy out and like worshipped Mussolini in a weird way through that. I could see that. I also feel like, I don't know, my history knowledge is just so bad because I know this happened in 1945, but like my brain is, it's like, it's 1845. And like, oh. I, I don't know why. I literally think it's a hundred years earlier. Like I was, I was picturing say- this in my head where they have no technology or anything. And I'm like, okay, this wasn't that long ago. I know. I was today years old when I realized what decade Mussolini was in. I was like, got it. <laughs> got it. Well, now you'll never forget. This podcast teaches us many, many things. Yeah. Kids, you. this is your Zoom school. This is, don't get COVID oh at school, God. kids. Just listen to this. Oh my God. They'll be teaching us in the DMs. Like, well, actually. And they do. And I appreciate it because I need, yes. I need the learning. Uh, blame New Jersey public education, not me. Just before Christmas, the older sons also noticed a man parked along U.S. Highway 21 watching the kids when they came home from school, which... Sketch. That's creepy. That's, like, a very bizarre. Also, parking along a highway is extra bizarre. Yeah. I'm like, I didn't even know you could do that. You can't. Oh, oh yeah, I guess you can't. But I guess it's kind of like, you know, when, like, Uber drivers or people waiting to pick up people from flights were just, like, are just chilling... Before yeah, I mean, you can pull over in the shoulder, but like you're not Ooh. supposed to. That's true. I'm just a goody two show. Yeah. <laughs> Danny has probably never driven with the lights on in his car because did your mom tell you that was illegal? Yes. Mine did too. What were they trying to do? I, don't, I think you, I think they were worried that you could distract or turning it off and on, which like, how many times am I doing? I'm like, no, I'm, I'm going to, if I crash, it's because I'm blasting Tegan and Sarah 19 driving to and fro Dunkin' Donuts <laughs> at all hours of the I night. know with like an iced coffee in one hand. No, my rebellion phase in high school was truly much. I think I was just like a Judd sister or like the Indigo girls. Like I truly would just <laughs> go around like wearing a vest, iced coffee, blasting Tegan and Sarah, <laughs> sad lesbian singing. <laughs> I miss it. I the love glory. that. I love that. I feel like my days. mom just didn't want me to read in the car. So she wouldn't let me to, she wouldn't let me put the lights on, but then I was reading in the dark, <laughs> which is not better. I feel that's almost worse for your eyes. It, it's probably worse. Yeah. Exclusively. Well, she would be like, don't do that. It's bad for your eyes. But like I was a kid and a nerd. And also what else am I going to do in a car? Be alone with my thoughts. No, thank mm. you. Oh, I would stare at, I would, I would just watch the raindrops fall. Oh my God. And pretend you're in a music video. Sadly, I still do that. (laughs) Evermore is hitting me hard, guys. Oh, my God. Yes. I love to do that on trains. (gasps) Yes. The best. The best. Okay. So let's discuss the events of Christmas 1945. I feel like that one, um, that clip from Gilmore Girls where she's like, picture it. Sicily 1912. Oh, Yes. <laughs> Picture it. Christmas 1945. 1945. The family was chilling as you do. It was Christmas Eve. Around 10 p.m., Marion, who was the eldest sister, was home and she had brought toys that she bought with money she was earning at her job. And all the sisters convinced the parents to let them stay up later to play with them. George, John, and John Jr. were upstairs asleep. George is the dad, just reminding everybody because it gets confusing with these names. The family of 12, it gets confusing. Yeah. So at around 1230, this is now Christmas morning, the phone rang. Jenny answered it, and a woman asked for an unfamiliar name. Jenny said the caller had the wrong number and hung up, but before that, she said that the caller laughed in a weird way Hmm. in that she also heard background laughter and clinking glasses in the background and thought it was maybe a Christmas party. 
My thing with that, though, that sort of sounds like I feel like in the 1940s, like that was a fun prank to do. <laughs> I guess. I mean, well, the one thing that was interesting that I, I figured, um, not that I figured, that people pointed out on Reddit was that, um, and this is going to come back when we discuss the fire, but you didn't just dial a random number. Like you had to call and get the operator to connect you. Oh, so, right it's unlikely that you could really be prank calling people unless the operator had made a mistake that. Okay. That makes sense. Maybe the operator was drunk too, or maybe this was suspicious. You know what? It was Christmas. So there's that. Then she noticed that all the downstairs lights were on. The curtains were open and the door was unlocked. That was weird. Then she noticed Marion was asleep on the sofa and she thought the other kids were in bed. So she turned off the lights, closed the curtains, locked the door and then went up to bed. She goes to sleep and um, a short time later, she hears a large thud on the roof and then hears something kind of like thud on the roof and then roll off. And she was just like, "Mm, whatever, I guess. And then at 1 a.m., she was awoken by smoke. And that is where we're going to leave off today's episode. I know, on a cliffhanger. This is cruel of us, but I love it because I know you already want more. I know. I'm like making like evil eyebrows, but nobody can see except Danny. (laughs) But we will cover the fire. We will cover the mystery in part two next week. So get ready. Stay tuned. It's going to happen. And uh, if you're looking for an activity to do between part one and part two, why don't you rate, review, and subscribe the podcast? You know, send us a little like a Christmas, Hanukkah, love little present up there. Uh I know I'd appreciate it. And you can join our Facebook group, Not Another True Crime Group, to discuss this and other crimes and topics that we discuss on the podcast. You can also follow us on Instagram at NATC pod. Drop us a little DM. Um, We do fun polls up there today. We're polling which fictional crime character would be your ideal partner. Fun stuff, fun stuff. Um, And then if you still want stuff to follow, you can follow me on Instagram at Sarah Lameem. I'm glad we're called stuff now. You can follow yeah, me whatever. at Casper Daddy Casper with a K. <laughs> I was going to say content, but I don't know. Whatever. Oh, no. In any case, thanks for listening. Happy holidays, everybody. And don't miss part two coming next week. Betches.